I had noticed in the last, you know, let's say four different cycle classes that I took from four different people, each person had a different exertion scale. They had a different set of numbers that they used in their class to tell their students where they thought they should be exertion-wise. And um, I've, you know, like got a lot of experience, but I was completely lost. I had absolutely no idea what instructor A meant when they said a seven and what instructor B meant when they said a two because in the beginning of the class they didn't define it and um, that is the focus of this article. Hi, this is Amy, the senior group fitness instructor at the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Are you looking for a spark of inspiration to bring to your next class? Find us at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. And as always, I love hearing uh, from listeners. John at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. If you've got an idea for a topic that somehow we have missed uh, over the last eight years, or maybe something new, exciting, uh, someone who is uh, particularly impressive that uh, you think would make a nice uh, interview subject, please email me. As an instructor, your role is to, beyond the cheerleading and putting the music together, your role is really to communicate specific things throughout the class. And Often it's hard to understand, am I or am I communicating effectively? So what caught my eye in the latest Idea Fitness Journal was an article, uh, the title of which is Crystal Clear Cueing for Indoor Cycling. I thought, wow, that's exactly what I want to uh, talk about. And it's written by a woman. Her name is Pamela Light. And she's joining me now from, I wrote it down and I can't find where I wrote it. Where are you from, Pamela? Uh, Hi, John. I am from Rancho Palos Verdes, which is just south of LAX in Los Angeles, California. Okay, so tell me, what is your fitness background? Uh, My fitness background, I have been teaching for 24 years. I started when I was a high school student. And I started because I thought it would be a cool job to tell that I had my friend, uh, tell my friends that I had. Back in those days, uh, we were stepping up and down on a wooden step. <laughs> so things have just, I've been able to watch this industry change so much over all the years. Um, I currently, I've taught almost everything and I have a certification in almost everything. But uh, at this time, I specialize in uh, strength classes, kickboxing, and cycling. Those are my absolute favorites. What got you to the point where you were a fitness writer? Because uh, I get comments or questions from, from listeners thinking, boy, I wonder how I could do X, you know, be a master instructor or get to do this. And I think people are always interested to hear wh- what, what your path was to be a published author. I do have a master's in writing from USC. And my goal was to be a fitness writer. But in the meantime, I did take some technical writing classes as I am a practical gal. And I, with always having this love of fitness in my life, it didn't occur to me until I had children that I could merge the two. And instead of trying to write fiction, which I was very unsuccessful at, I could 
try to write about what I love, which is fitness. And um, I made an introduction to uh, when I was at one of the um, at a conference in Los Angeles, I was able to meet a woman who worked for American Fitness Magazine, and she was the one that gave me my first break. So that is the hardest part I find for anybody who wants to write is, you know, that first introduction. Um, uh, there have been some really wonderful and generous editors, but just getting that first introduction is the toughest part. And then the next thing is to, I think, you know, from people that I've heard that have been trying to publish articles in the fitness industry or any article is, you know, it's one thing to have the information and then it's another thing to make it entertaining and finding the right title and the right hook for what essentially sometimes is the same information is the key. So that would be my advice. Awesome. Okay. So you were at, at uh, not idea. Um, What's the other big conference? My mind. The one, the one that I was at um, is what's called Evolution Fitness Conference. Oh, okay. That wasn't what I'm thinking of. I'm, yeah. My, it'll come to me in the next 30 <laughs> seconds. But all right. Well, great. So, uh, you know, because you were saying that, and it, it occurs to me that at every conference I've ever been at, the publications always have a booth. Mm-hmm. You know, they're promoting their publication. Is that a place to potentially meet uh, an editor or at least somebody that can get you an introduction? Yeah, for me it was, definitely. Do you ever feel like you have a problem communicating accurately with your participants? Um, Well, here's a good example. So as John was saying in the introduction, uh, the most important thing we can do as instructors, or really our only thing is, is to, you know, deliver a workout to our participants, and communication is the key in that. So for instance, yesterday I was teaching and I had a microphone problem at the beginning of the class and I was yelling at the top of my lungs over music until I could get um, the microphone issue resolved. And, I'm making uh, my cringe. I'm making my cringe face here <laughs> while you're doing this. I know exactly yeah. what, I know Anyone who's ever it. taught. Like those are the nightmares you have, uh, you know, when you first start teaching is like electrical failure. And um but, what, you know, it just threw my whole class off, I would say. I didn't get to do my normal introduction, and I, I walked out of the room at the end feeling like the class was not as good of a class as it could have been if I had been able to really set the stage in the beginning of class, what we're going to do, why we're going to do it, and how we're going to make it happen. And you always follow that pattern? I try to, uh, you know, teaching for so many years, um, I still kind of get a little, I've always, I'm, I'm not really a person that loves to be in front of everybody, which is a strange thing, but I do love to teach. Um, and sometimes when I'm in the main studio, I find it a little bit more comfortable that I can turn my back and have the mirror looking off of the mirror at people. But in spin, you're facing everybody and you know, you don't necessarily have to change from move to move to move all of the time. And so there turns out to be a lot of dead air. And some instructors, I think, can get in trouble with that at dead air. And uh, I don't oh, want to be one of those, you know, your personality comes out maybe in the wrong way. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you turn people off for different reasons. And for me, I find myself more comfortable just sticking to technical sticking to informative and um, filling the air with that type of information. Got it. Or silence. Yeah. Or letting the music do the talking. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I wrote an article a number of years ago that 
I was in a cl- someone else's class and I, I found myself and I even described the article, article as such that it's like they called squirrel because they would talk, 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 and then I, you know, tune them out. And next thing I know, it's you're up. And it's like, wait, where? Yeah. The whole thing was. Yeah. All right. So let's let's kind of dive into your article and uh, get some understanding uh, what you, with the subhead being be smart about the exertion scale you mm-hmm. use to help participants get the best ride. Okay. Is that is that what you uh, is 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 that just part of what you, your real focus on communication is or is that a large part of yeah, I think, well, the, the thing that inspired me to teach this article was I, I take, I love to take classes whenever I get an opportunity. And um, I had noticed in the last, you know, let's say four different cycle classes that I took from four different people, each person had a different exertion scale. They had a different set of numbers that they used in their class to tell their students where they thought they should be exertion wise. And um, I've, you know, like got a lot of experience, but I was completely lost. I had absolutely no idea what instructor A meant when they said a seven and what instructor B meant when they said a two, because in the beginning of the class, they didn't define it. And um, that is the focus of this article. It's fine to have your own scale and it's just a matter of being consistent yourself and clearly defining for the people in your class what that scale is. Okay, so we're going to start with an introduction of a scale. How how do you normally go about that? Okay, for me, I just like to do it while we're warming up. So I'll get everybody's legs moving, and then I'll talk to them about what I use as my scale. And I like to incorporate, and I... I'm sure that that's what everybody's scale should um, represent a feeling. So I describe to them when I am talking about this zone, I mean this sort of feeling. So, um, and then as we go up escalating the feeling. So I like to use a zone one as an easy cruising. This is something that we're going to use in the warm up, the cool down, and between big efforts. My zone two is where we're in moderate work and we should feel comfortable, but we do feel like we're working. Uh, zone three is where you're feeling uncomfortable. You'd rather go slower or have less tension. So your effort is escalating. Zone four, I describe as hard. You would rather not, you're not breathless. You're not all out, but you would, you're, you can't keep this up for a very long period of time. And then your max zone was five that's your all-out effort, that's your anaerobic, that's something that should be um, less than one minute for sure. Got it. Okay, so um, and I'm, uh, I'm tempted to use the word, word devil's advocate, but just as a, because uh, uh, I've always struggled with this and to the point where I would get frustrated because the same thing, you hear one person talks from one to five, the next is one to ten, then there's with the Borg scale that goes up to 20 or something Mm -hmm. and it's and it's and it's like wait a six seven out of ten how how do you begin to even understand that and so i appreciate the simplicity of of just five do you do you feel that your participants are able to 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 segment their intensity 
that coarsely? That is definitely the question. <laughs> um, the thing that I would say, too, is once that I've defined these numbers, it's almost like I don't expect them to remember it. So I've spent this time introducing these numbers, and um, I don't feel like I would even turn around 10 minutes later and then just call out, okay, let's go to a three. Because as you're saying, John, it's, it's hard for, these, for people to find a three to begin with, which again, three, if you already forgot, which I'm assuming most of my participants have after <laughs> we've talked about something else. A three is where I'm saying that they're uncomfortable, but they can keep it up for a really long period of time. So that's what I would do in class is I would say, okay, now we're going to increase our attention. We're going to increase our pace and we're going to find a place in zone three where we are uncomfortable, but we can keep it up for a long period of time. So I repeatedly every time I mention the zone, I mention the feelings they should have in their body, and then I coach them on how they can get there by either with their pace or their tension each time. So my expectation of them remembering a number is less than zero because I think people come to the class, and this is how I feel when I go to a class that I don't teach. I go there. I don't want to think about anything. I am not the specialist in this. I'm going to enjoy myself. And um and I, pre- I appreciate the instructor delivering everything that I need. Got it. Without being overly communicative. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to, right. You can definitely do it in a succinct manner, but consistently and repeatedly. The next bullet that you call out is an explanation of why. How do you tackle that? people come to your class to get a workout and um, the numbers, as we mentioned, correspond to what they should be feeling in their body. So some people really enjoy, you know, knowing that um, what they're doing is paying off physiologically. And so you talk about um, how we're going to use the number five to get into our anaerobic zone and how then we're going to bounce back into a zone one for recovery because we need that recovery to balance out our hard efforts. So just reminding them that, you know, oh, we want to spend more time in our moderately difficult zone uh, three because that's going to be where we do a lot of fat burning. You know, reminding them, connecting them, their body, their mind to the workout that they're doing. Got it. So it's what we're going to do and why we're going to do it, essentially. Correct. Got it. All right. Do, do you feel that you're able to communicate that effectively, the why part of it? I think so. And I do think that there are certain people in the class that are very interested in that and some that are less so. And so it's nice to give the information for the people that are interested in it. I love this one because it's something I think it's often forgotten or people ignore and it's just one word. It's rehearse. (laughs) Yeah, rehearse. So I, you know, I really love to spin and I love to work hard and I hate the warm up because I just want to get to the action. But um, this rehearse is what I do in my warm up. So once I've just verbally, while we're kind of getting our legs moving, told them what my scale is going to be, then I'm going to rehearse. So I want to just say, okay, we are right now in, hopefully you're warming up in your moderate zone too. And I want to go ahead and increase 
tension or speed or both, and let's get into feeling what that zone three feels like. And you're going to then take it next level, feel what the four feels like, bounce back to two, you know, just go back and forth through these numbers so they can experience it and just tell them, hey, this is a little bit less time. We'll be spending more time in our zone three later once we're fully warmed up. We'll be doing longer intervals in our zone four later when we're fully warmed up. But this is the feeling that I'm looking for you to have um, during the workout of the class. And I wouldn't at this point go into your anaerobic, um, not within the very first five minutes, but um, maybe then your next set is some really short uh, anaerobic intervals as a continuation of your warm-up and rehearsal. But you know, just a chance to get to touch onto those. For me, it gives a purpose to my warm up, which I tend to be impatient with. So, I got it. You and me both, right? And uh, what I've always <laughs> described as openers, you know, those really quick hits to try to get your yeah. cardiovascular system engaged and operating because that's always mm-hmm. the hardest part. Uh, next, you talk about drawing a map. What do you mean by that? Uh, What I mean by that is setting expectations for what we're going to do uh, during the actual class. So it's um, if you were to go for a ride out on your your real bike out on the road, you would know if you were you would know what streets you were going to go on. You would know if you were going to go up a hill, if you were going to spend more time going downhill, if you were going to do some sprint intervals, if you were going to race a friend, you would have an idea of what your workout was going to be. And I think sometimes as instructors, we're afraid to lay that out for our class. We think, oh my gosh, if I tell them that we're going to do, you know, end up with 12 sprint intervals, they're going to not, they're going to like stand up and walk out of the room. But I think the opposite is true. Or they're going to uh, pace themselves. My fear of not presenting the workout is that they're going to pace themselves because sometimes they'll end up then thinking, I don't know what's coming. So I need to hold back. What if? he does a mega hill at the end and I'm not expecting it. But then let's say you don't and they've finished the class and they've held back for it. So if you'd like lay it all out, then they can see what's in front of them. You just encourage them. You'd be like, take these one thing at a time, but here's what we're going to do. You're going to be able to do it. You're going to walk out of here proud of yourself. And that way they'll, you know, see it laid out in front of them and they'll feel like they've really achieved something at the end because in the beginning they had that feeling of, Oh my gosh, this is going to be a lot. And if, you know, just keep that encouragement going. I went to a soul cycle class once and um, it was my first time I have been teaching forever, right? I'm obviously very fit on the bike, but I was totally scared of it because everybody was saying it was very difficult. And so I did this, I did the hold back and I ended up, I didn't even know the class was only 45 minutes and it really wasn't as hard as I thought. And I walked out of there so disappointed because if I had known that it, you know, if the guy had like laid the workout for me, I would have pushed myself harder knowing what was coming, I think. Do you think you're, what you're describing is developing trust with your participants? Oh, that, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, because I always looked at it that way that there are instructors who, um, I'll, I'll just say it, they lie to their participants. You know, this mm-hmm. is the last one. Oh, I guess we got one more. <laughs> 30 mm-hmm. seconds. Oh, but another minute more. <laughs> and that very quickly causes people to hold back. And you're right. And then at the end of it, you're like, uh, wait, I, I miss this. <laughs> well, then the next time you come into that person's classroom, you're going to hold back. Exactly. Right. Okay. All right. So laying out your map, um, I can remember uh, 
uh, master instructor Jim Cronus that we had uh, for many years. Uh, he's since passed, but uh, he, he was a real advocate of laying that out very, very specifically. And there's actually, you know, those people, we have a lot of instructors using like the Class Builder iPhone app that will actually create a, a graph. You know, you, were, you and I were chatting before we started about, you know, having some graphical representation that shows you what's coming and that helps people prepare for it. Yeah, I love the graphs that appear on your site with the workouts because you can just see in one in one glance what it's going to look like. And you know what I've done before when um, I went through a period where I wanted to kind of put a graph like that, but it was more of a, a line graph instead of a bar graph. And I would put it on the mirror behind me with a um, dry erase marker, and that just wipes right off with a towel. And it's sort of fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, why not? Yeah. yeah. And that way, and people can many times understand where they are in that continuum to understand, yeah. uh, you know, what's ahead and and then make their own decision to how hard they're going to work. And then they ultimately own their effort. Mm-hmm. You know, you've presented it. They have the chance, <laughs> excuse me, if it gets to the point where at the end of the class, they think, oh, that wasn't very hard. Well, that's because you just chose not to work hard. Yeah, that's a good thing to remind people. <laughs> right, which which goes to your next point as far as defining expectations. It's so hard, and I have actually in two of my regulars, which sit on you know my right and my left, I have a man who does you know these real outdoor bike races that are hundreds of miles long, and then I have over there on the other side a woman who is ninety one that takes my classes as well. <laughs> and uh, when I'm queuing in my class, uh, it's just impossible to, and we have bikes with screens that show your tension numbers, they show your RPMs, and um, it's impossible for me to say, okay, everybody put your tension at this number because it's a totally different experience for these two different people. Um, the 70-year-old 70 70 year and 90-year-old is going to have a much smaller tension uh, than, you know, this ultra-athlete uh, cyclist. And so in the beginning of the class, I like to, while I'm doing the rehearsal, we make a mental note of the tension that will represent flat ground, flat sprint, which is I do a little bit heavier than flat ground, standing, so that's enough to really feel supported on your knees, and then the beginning of a hill would be a little bit more than that. And we get to look at numbers in this at this particular gym. I teach at another gym where we don't get to look at numbers and we just have a knob, but I do tell the participants, it's you know since we're doing this exercise of feeling what these things feel like, let's look at the knob and see what direction it's facing. You know, is, is the, you know, what is the um, symbol on it look like? Is it facing the right, the left, upwards, uh, upside down, what have you. And then it just makes it easier in the class to go to those numbers or go to that position on the knob. Perfect. Okay. Now, and you, you were explaining, yeah, you've got with well, some bikes you teach on stages, uh, indoor cycles with power. Does, Mm-hmm. Does does the wattage power output, uh, are you referencing that? Is that a component of your class or is it more just from for observation? Uh, we do use it uh, for, for different things, 
but um, I do like to set these tensions. For me, I like to set these tensions and refer back to them and then uh, play with them with the wattage personally. Got it. Okay. All right. Um, next, you talk about repeat, 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 which makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I'll let you expand on it. I touched on it earlier in that I don't, you know, want anybody to ever, you know, because some people might think, okay, I've spent all this time in the warm up introducing what a level, what, what number one means, what number two means, what number three means. So I don't need to say it again, right? I don't want to be redundant. Uh, but uh, as I mentioned, I just think, you know, you don't want to, you want to just give your members the service of not making them remember what it is. And just a quick word, it doesn't have to, you're not going to do that long explanation again because you've already did it. So just a quick word, okay, we want to be in zone three right now. You should feel out of your comfort zone, but still moderate. You don't want to be breathless. Just a quick word like that. Okay, we're going into zone five. This is where you're going all out. This is where you're breathless. Just a couple of words is all it takes as a reminder. Got it. Because, yeah, because, you know, just public speaking 101 is, you know, you're going to tell them what you're going to say. You're going to tell them, you're going to tell them again. And then you're going to remind them at the end what you told them. And so mm-hmm. there's, there's nothing wrong with that repetition. And I think, yeah, some people get, oh, I already said this. I can't say it again. And mm-hmm. and, uh, you, and you're not a mind reader. Um, and uh, so without babbling on incessantly um, to be able to, to reaffirm these important points uh, is of value. Okay. And here's the thing that that would that tends to drive me nuts in other classes. It's 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 consistency. How how do you go about being consistent? Uh, you know, it's almost like following a script. So just going through this checklist every single time, no matter what. Um, the you know the danger is you look around and you have a bunch of familiar faces and you think, oh, okay, well, I don't need to check all of these boxes because these people are all experienced. Every single class, no matter if I'm talking about spin or any of the other formats that I teach, I teach, I am the best instructor when I have a new person in that room, somebody that I am assuming has no experience and, or at least has no experience with me. And I am coaching them from, from, from zero. And I, I am the best teacher when I, when that happens. And I'll tell you what, even I, I am a hundred percent sure that every single person in that room, my most experienced people enjoy that class better than one where I am not stepping up and not giving my 100% teaching ability because I'm taking it for granted that they already know. So, you know, don't, don't worry Everybody likes to be taught to. They're there for you. And so, you know, they're coming in and it's maybe not their first class with you, but it's their first class with you that day. And they're coming in for a fresh workout. They're coming in with whatever they walked in with that day, new things on their mind, new conditions in their body. Maybe they're super exhausted. Maybe they're super rested and they're ready to have the best workout of their life. So you just each time treat it like of first and you're going to end up with the best quality of your own class. Going back to the basics. Is, is, is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely. Got it. Okay. If someone wants to connect with you on social media or anything, do you have a website or Facebook or anything you'd like to promote? You know, I don't, I just have that link off of my idea. So if you were to go to idea, uh, the idea website, idea fitness journal website i do have a bio 
and you can click on Find My Bio. You can check out any of my other articles that I've written for that magazine, and then you can email me through that site. Got it. That's how we got connected. How about if someone wants to take one of your take one of your classes? Uh, I, I don't I don't remember if we talked about exactly where you're teaching. Sure. Yeah, I am at uh, the Bay Club in Rancho Palos Verdes, or rather, it's Rolling Hills Estates, and so they can always come and take one there. Or if you're ever traveling and visiting Terranea, which is a beautiful resort in Rancho Palos Verdes, they can look me up and try to connect with me at Terranea. Well, awesome. Pamela Light, thank you. Well, thank you, John. Yeah, and this is uh, this is hopefully a value to someone, either an old dog like me or someone who's brand new getting started. So thank you. Thank you. 